What's up, guys? I'm so excited to announce that we have partnered with Coaching for Literacy, and you can read more about them at coachingforliteracy.org or follow them on social media at Coaching for Literacy. Your subscription to Bluff City NIL is 100% tax deductible because of our partnership together. Thank you for supporting Memphis Tiger student-athletes and helping promote the monumental cause of childhood literacy. Memphis, 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 Memphis. Nothing but Memphis. Everywhere we go, it's Memphis. Welcome to On the Bluff, a A Bluff City City Media Media audio podcast. podcast. Stepping up to the microphone are your hosts, Gabe Kuhn and Christian Fowler. Now, let's get to the show. After a two-week layoff, freaking back in studio game how about it how about I mean, it? more upgrades each week every time and uh i'll tell you what i had a uh, i had a good trip but it did not start all that promisingly you know about the southwest stuff yeah uh-huh. i got southwested fellas had some flight issues oh it was bad it was bad <laughs> i woke up at 6 30 the morning i was supposed to fly out about 8 30 and day after christmas right yeah and i immediately looked at my phone canceled canceled Obviously, I think they gave, they gave the twenty five thousand uh, reward points or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I got canceled, so I had to fly out two days later to San Diego than I was originally planned. Oh, y'all didn't fly and then get the this. Then get this. Flew with American Airlines, upcharged like a mug. By the way, because they knew <laughs> they knew everybody was coming over. And I always go back to the conversation just because you can take advantage of someone, should you? But American Airlines took advantage of me hardcore. Flew over to uh, San Diego, and I was packing my bags. I was going to check a bag and then check my golf clubs. They lost my golf clubs, fellas. They lost my golf clubs. And I've gone through the submittal process. I've put in a claim and nothing. Just haven't heard from them. They're uh, Highway robbery, man. That's what it sounds like. So you didn't even get to use your own clubs in San Diego. Had no. to rent clubs. So Gabe, I didn't I, even rent clubes. We didn't go. didn't even go. We didn't okay. go. So, Gabe, I need to know. Like, I had no clue you were a golfer. Uh, that's a loose terminology. Well, Come on. Golfer look, is look like, at him. I golf. Look at him. He but if like, I, like most guys, like, are you a golfer or do you golf? You golf. Neither. You suck at it. You know, like. Neither. I'm not su- a scratch su- golfer by any stretch I of the imagination. I suck at it so bad that I don't go. I do break 100, though. Break 100. Could be worse. It could be. Yeah. It could well, be. my trip went better. Okay. I think Gabe is a man no, of many talents sorry. that we don't know about. Like I, I'm just, a hooper. You're a hooper and yeah. you're a golfer. Yeah, that needs to be the next video. Me you know, and Gabe. I'm a, you know, I, you know, I run church league, guys. Me and I, Gabe one v one. You think I'd church beat, league team? Think I'd beat Gabe one v one, Kenny? You did no beat chance. Damian Ball. No did chance. What? You did beat Damian <laughs> did Ball you? that one time. I did beat Damian Ball. <laughs> is there a story there? There's a video. Just... I mean, in there, Kenny. There's... There is video proof evidence of you banging on Damian Ball. <laughs> That's 100% true. He's not lying. Okay. That is I, archive footage. You could almost put that in here. Like, if did you, you get to, to the rack or did you? I got to, I got to the rack, didn't I? No, you. See, you don't you, even you, remember. You didn't. No. Dude, this was like four years ago. You you wetted the dude. I did. You wetted right. him. He's telling me I, I was barbecue chicken. He's I don't gonna, know if I trust you guys fully. Bro. Like, was this like Kenny, one of those, like, put it in he here. sucks at ball? He sucks at ball, and I'm going to be nice to him. I don't. I mean, like, I, Kenny is a Kenny is an unbiased bystander. So, what what do you think? Um, I mean, he wasn't going a hundred percent. Come on. Well, I, well I, I, can I? I I'm going to put some context into this. Okay. He, he was wearing slides. That doesn't matter. He should still be way better than me. Okay. Well, but, you you wouldn't get me one on one, dude. No chance. Okay. Let's run it. We could run it. 
We're going to have to do a special on this. Yeah, that's going to have to be its own yeah, its yeah. own thing. But anyway, yeah, my vacation <laughs> I'm was, so down for was this. nice. Yeah, uh, and? We drove, so we didn't have okay. to worry about flights. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's great. Didn't have to worry about the flights. Yeah, had a great time. Spent New Year's on the beach. Caught a couple sharks. Rock on. Did you do any... Uh, did you have fun on New Year's Eve? <laughs> <laughs> did you do any uh, extracurricular drinking? Did you drink <laughs> a little bit? Say extracurricular. That, say that one more time. Extracurricular. There you go. Is there no, any I extracurriculars don't. on New Year's Eve? I don't drink. You don't? Uh-uh. Not even a beer? No. Okay. I haven't had a... I feel like I knew this about you. Yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've Christian had a, hasn't been a drinker for... I, forever. Ever. But like, I don't think I've had a sip of alcohol in like three years. I just don't like it. Me and Kenny went to Vegas together, and neither one of us drank. That for, was good for you, dude. In hindsight, extremely lame. Actually, <laughs> actually, actually, did you we, gamble a little bit? We did gamble. Bucks. Okay, there we, bucks. Bucks. <laughs> we, we went to. Have, we, I think we had a couple drink, like maybe a drink. We went to. Two. We had a couple of you, drinks with Javante Holmes. What drink? Okay. What drink did you introduce me to? Um, it was a oh, Grand Marnier, Long Island, Grand Marnier, Grand Marnier and pineapple. And pineapple. Juice. Get him one Long Island, he'll be feeling himself. Dude, man. if I if I had a drink, like if I had a mixed drink right now, I'd probably be terrible. Toast. Yeah, bad. One. <laughs> one drink and I'd be tapping out. I hear you, man. We did go to a literally the first thing we did off the plane was we went to a um dispensary. Okay. Oh, dude. Rock it was on. So wild. Like it is wild. We yeah. la- this is totally totally off subject, but we land in Vegas. Me and Kenny get in uh, in an Uber, and the Uber driver's like, "Where are you guys from?" And Kenny's like, "Tennessee." I'm like, "Mississippi." He goes, "Oh, so you've never you've never seen a dispensary before?" And we were yeah. like, N- "No." And he was like, "All right, let's go." So first thing off the plane, this dude just takes you freaking it. potheads, you dopeheads. We did not buy anything. <laughs> you tried to see it. Yeah, we just went in. Okay, and, and so like you checked store. in, gave him your ID and yeah. everything. Okay. It was That's an it. Apple store. Yeah, it literally was an, Apple an old store. Apple store. Yeah, no, That's no, no, like it. That's Wait, the way it's it's, it's it's set up, set up like, oh, an, like Apple an Apple store. store. Oh, okay. Like they literally have iPads. Do you know what with, brand like, it was? What 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 dispensary was it? You don't remember? I don't. No yeah. clue. It was years ago, but yeah. I'm telling you, you walk in there, they've got they've got iPads, iPads set up with, you know, they have set in <laughs> sections. Like, do you want something that will hype you? Do you want For something really? that will like, sedate well, and you? I bet you, you I bet this? you, if you asked the the personnel behind the counter, they would give you like a 15 minute long explanation. They no, they do. No, they do. Exactly. They tour. They so you get basically like a weed tour guide when you walk into the store. <laughs> Am I lying? Am a I weed lying? tour guide. You're not lying. It in is the a slightest. straight up weed tour guide. As soon as you walk in the door, they get the iPad, they check your ID, and then they're like, okay. What this was originally, they, this was a cross hybrid yes, between Pineapple give, OG and yeah, I'm they give telling you, you the whole rundown of where this weed came from and how it came about. It, is, it was nuts. We it was were, first, they first cross-pollinated in 1973. Yeah. It was okay. culture shock immediately. We walked out like, what the heck is going on? But no no purchases. No purchases. Okay. Rock on. We walked out and we're like, well, that's a good way to start. Our <laughs> Uber driver made some purchases. <laughs> so, so wait, so the Uber driver just made you go on his weed run. Yeah, basically, yes. that's what happened. Yes. Did he charge you extra for your... No. No, we were okay. like, oh, we don't want to pay I extra. Think- He's like, have y'all ever been to a dispensary? Just... Trying to act like it's about you when it was completely about him. Totally about him. I have a theory about it, though. I think that these Uber drivers, these taxi cab drivers from the airport, are actually paid by these dispensaries to bring new people from the airport over. Because at that point... It's plausible. Do they get commission? Do they get get a commission off of the clientele? They probably don't... uh, Okay, think about it, guys. We're talking about potential potheads here. They're They're not getting commission. They're getting free wheat. 
Okay, that's their commission. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's got a dollar amount. Of I mean, they had a bag with his name on it when he walked in. He just grabbed it. <laughs> okay, that didn't happen. <laughs> that did not happen. But he he basically took you on his errands, guys. Yes. Let's call it what it is. For free, he took us for free. He didn't right. charge us for the ride. Okay. Which is we why I think he's on commission. We'd never seen before. And now you've seen it. And now we've seen it. Okay. And now the first one's open in North Mississippi. That is true. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Apparently that's going to be crazy. But anyway. Yeah. Back on, not back on, I guess on to topic because we haven't been on yet. Um, let's start with a little Memphis basketball while we were both gone. Uh, Memphis had a couple games. I don't know. Were you back for the, uh, for I the was, ECU game or were I was, you still in I was San back Diego? for the ECU okay. game. I Gone for the Tulane game. Tulane game. Yep. I was gone. So, last two games, Tulane loss. Um, and I... Do we? I don't think we spend too much time on that because I feel like it's already been talked yeah, about a it's, lot. But I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way, though. Not a good loss. It's going to no. age better by the day, though. I think Tulane's going to have a decent conference schedule. And it turned in quad three to quad two already. You don't want to lose that game, but as long as you just sort of stay within yourself and handle the games you need to handle down the stretch, it's not going to be an unbelievable inhibitor. It may lose you a seat or two right. by the time you get to the NCAA tournament, but I don't think – I think the defensive woes were a freak-out point, but I thought they got back to it against ECU. Yeah, I completely agree, and Kenny and I talked about this last week, um, just about how good Tulane can actually be, because they do have players. Are they an elite team? No, absolutely not, and you know we clarified that pretty heavily. But they have a good chance to finish third in the conference. Right, 100%. Because no, who else is going to – Cincinnati, maybe. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, like Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Tulane, UCF, UCF. Well, you, I mean, and the, and well, I say UCF third, and then probably those guys after you that. Think UCF, so? I mean, UCF right now it's playing solid ball. That's a net rank thirty sixteen, yeah. guys. Yeah, and Ken Palm thirty seven. Yeah, that turned into which we were wondering getting going in the conference schedule. Are they going to have any of those quad one opportunities? That turned into a quad one opportunity. So mm-hmm. that and they play them next. Yeah, and we'll get to the ECU game in a second. They play them next. That right there on the road, if you go get that win, I almost feel like the conversations coming out of that game, you'll forget about Tulane. Absolutely. You'll forget about what happened there. And even against South Florida struggling a little bit, you'll forget about that because now you have another quad one win attached to your name. Completely agree. So let's let's dig into this win over ECU a little bit because this could have been nightmare scenario, right? Like this was like this is gonna be a quad four loss, potentially. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't looking like Memphis was going to pick it up. And fortunately, I'm going I'm going to put a little conjecture in here and yeah. say that Penny probably lit a fire at halftime yeah. because this was a totally different team. They slept walk through the first half. Right. Offensively, defensively. I, I say defensively. Defensively, right. they, looked, they were solid. They were solid in the first half. I think mm-hmm. they held them to four points. Defensively, like, they slept walk for sure. Or offensively, Offensively, they absolutely. For sure. Um, and just the sloppiness that we saw overall, the turnover started pouring in midway through the first half, and they came out and fortunately took control of the game relatively early in the second half, went on, I think it was a 22-0 run that they went on, something like that, uh, to really grab control of the game and then never let it go. So fortunately, you dodged that bullet because yeah. then it's it's rough. Because if you start your conference schedule one and two with losses to ECU and Tulane, it's not a great look. Oh, hell no. That would be awful. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, that's disaster. Yeah. I mean, your net drops into the 80s if mm-hmm. you do that, if you start to start your uh, conference schedule like that. But I'll say this. ECU, first half, they slept walk offensively. I thought defensively, 
even in practice, you could. I, I feel like Penny tried to light a fire under these guys. Oh, right? absolutely. Because they were substantially better. The issue became in that first half. Obviously, ECU got up to that thirty-three twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of, uh, they were up thirty-three twenty-five at half. Twenty-one of their thirty-three point, thirty-three points were off three-pointers. They made seven or like six in a row at one point. They started 0 for 5, finished 7 for 13. They were shooting lights out. And I guess some of them were open looks. And maybe as they the third one drops, maybe get a hand in the guy's face a little quicker. Uh, but it's Javon Small, I believe, yeah. is their, their guard. guard. He was knocking down impossible shots from the logo, 35-footers. Yeah. So I thought defensively the whole game was better. Um, but offensively, it just goes to show if Kendrick Davis isn't hitting on all cylinders, man, yeah. this team is going to struggle. And, and and you could talk about the three-point shooting all you want and, okay, who's going to do this? Who's going to show up? Maybe they'll find another guy on the wing who can put up a three-pointer and make it. It's not going to get that much better, guys. No. They begins were two for 13 again. They're not going to put up a lot and they're not going to make a lot. Begins and ends with Kendrick Davis. Yes. We've been saying this since day one of the basketball season. This offense goes as Kendrick Davis does. And we've seen his inefficient play strike multiple times. Regardless of all that, and we've mentioned this, he's still the best player on the team. 100%. And we all know that. But when he's inefficient or has an off night and he really looked rattled after he got hit in the head for obvious I mean obvious reasons, you get your lip busted open, that can take your head out of the game a little bit. Looked off before that anyway. Right. And when he struggles, it's hard to watch this team offensively because they just don't have that second. We've been talking about third, right? Right. All year. But even that second, like, extremely capable score, DeAndre is a good score, but he's more of an opportunistic score, yes. wouldn't you say? Yeah. So who else is creating offense? No one. You think Demaria, you think Keontae Kennedy, but it hasn't quite come it along. Hasn't. It and, hasn't surfaced the way you thought it would. And it's still early with this team. Of course. Team, right? We're just getting into conference play. Demaria just came back. He has a, you know. But each game that goes by, it's getting later and later absolutely, into the season. And absolutely. You, and, and you want to, if, if you talk to any basketball coach, you want to have that figured out by conference play. Absolutely. You want to have all of the pecking order all situated. I don't and know. And we if thought quite they were going to have that. I we, mean, they have the th- pecking order one, two right. pecking order. But we, after that, we thought they were going to have the, all this. So we thought that third score was going to be obvious, and we thought right. the second shot creator was going to be obvious, whether it be Demaria or Keontae or Jonathan Lawson or whoever it may be. And it just has. It still hasn't come to fruition, which is to me cause for concern. Yeah, and largely when it comes to um, when Kendrick is struggling, let's let's call it how it is, right? Offensively, I don't know if they do a whole lot of running anything. They don't just sort of they sort of put it in the hands of Kendrick Davis uh, and and uh, DeAndre Williams, and they go make things happen. That's what it is. And when Kendrick has that game where he's off in the head, it gets stagnant. The ball sticks a little bit more. Right. But I thought the the spark they needed, and we've seen it in the past. Um, I, I remember the USF game in 2019 in particular. It sort of reminded me of that performance. It's it's Alex Lomax in games like that, right? Mm-hmm. In conference play, sort of knowing his role, he had seven steals, six assists. I mean, he in that second half willed them back up in that game, and and he didn't score a whole lot. He didn't do anything in that in 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 that regard. But 
those dirty work plays he made were the reason I think that the Tigers were able to get a 10-point win, like truthfully in the end of the day. Completely agree. Yeah, he played an incredible second half, was all over the floor defensively, finished on some of those steals with layups, and was able to capitalize on those opportunities. But it's like... How long can we sit here and wait for that to happen every right, single game? It's he, not going to. You're gonna you're gonna have more of these two lane losses if it if it continues to happen. I mean, think about the example. I just brought up an example from 2019. Right. It doesn't happen right. every game that Alex right. Lomax is going to be locked in and he's going to come save you. But it feels like there's that one game a year where he does that, and that's the one. But you have to be offensively better than you were the other night if you're Kendrick Davis. Mm-hmm. And you have to be more locked in. And the issue that comes with him to a, t- to a certain extent, I feel like he just gets out of his head. He misses a few shots, gets a little frustrated. Maybe starts pressing a little maybe bit. Maybe presses a little bit. And the other night he got hit in the head, and that really bothered him. But he needs to stay within himself because that's the best ball he plays. Absolutely. And I like the – like, he brings intensity. Mm-hmm. And in big games, you know, you look at Auburn, Alabama, he brings the intensity and he stays within his head and can go score. But there's some of those – off nights where he gets a little too hyped up and it, it's for the worst. So let's talk about Demario Franklin a little bit because this, you know, obviously a lot of people were excited about him coming back and what it meant for this team. And he's, I would say he's been very solid defensively thus far and offensively just hasn't been able to find a rhythm. And I'm curious as to how they inject him in and get him into a rhythm because we knew with him coming in out of UIC that he's not a great shooter, right? Mm-hmm. He's not he's not a spot-up shooter. He's a slasher. Like, he, he gets to the basket. And we just haven't seen many opportunities for him to do so. So how do you work Kendrick Davis as a as a primary driver for a guard and Demaria Franklin? How, yeah. do, how do you allow them to coexist and both get to the basket and both make plays and both draw fouls? Isn't that the issue, though? Because at UIC, Demaria was largely a high-usage guy, trying right. to get off the dribble, picked his spots, and, and went for it. I don't know if he's had that opening yet. I no. don't know if he's been able to just sort of find that rhythm as the primary ball handler. I sort of wonder, and I, obviously you don't want to have Kendrick Davis off the floor for an extended period of time. If you're if you're Penny Hardaway and, and you're trying to get your lineups correct, but I sort of wonder if Demario, as a secondary ball handler with Kendrick Davis off the floor, I wonder if that could be something that that works out in his favor. Yeah, I, I think there has to be a way to intertwine them and highlight both of them, right? Mm-hmm. Because the offense isn't just going to magically appear, and you can't. You can't rely on Kendrick Davis to have 30 every game. He's going to have off nights. Every basketball player is going to have off nights. And, and his we, off night was still, what, 14 points? Right. Right. So we've seen him have some off nights in, in the offensive struggle because of it. So there has to be that second unit, right? There has to be that second guy that can come in when Kendrick's out of the game. And who else other than DeMaria is it going to be that can score? Because we know what Alex brings, but he's not going to be a primary ball handler and he's not going to go slash right. and drive and score – 15, 16 points with, with Kendrick Davis on the bench. So it just – I think they're still figuring out, unfortunately, because DeMario was out up until the Alabama game, and I, and I think we're seeing some of that. How do we work this in and how do we fit this in and allow them to coexist? And that's sort of what, what I'm hearing from both of us is that DeMario needs to have the ball in his hands instead of being a secondary option when the ball is coming down the floor. Yeah, yeah, he needs but, to be with the one with the ball in his hands if he wants to go find his spots, pick his spots – um, and, and, and get 
going on the offensive and he can't be a guy that's standing, again, that's standing on the wing the, yeah standing in the wing and right. just waiting on the ball sort of it's not who he a is. ball swing guy yeah. and not, that's what that's what he's been that's what he's done yeah. and and i think you could get him involved a lot more on the offensive end if you put the ball in his hands now if it doesn't work you pull the string on it quick you you, yeah. you decide to take him out and you say okay we, we don't need to do that but i think there's a way for penny hardaway to get him involved as a as a secondary ball handler with the ball in his hands to go facilitate too absolutely and something kenny and i were talking about the other day uh is jonathan lawson and the the usage for him has been very inconsistent like right. some games we see him for don't 10 to you get it minutes. though kind of like in a way yeah, yes and no because you need a they, shooter. They need a shooter, and he's played well when he's been in. Has he been perfect? No, but he's not a guy that has a ton of college experience. Mm-hmm. And you have to have that spark. Elijah McCadden has been solid, but offensively, You're right, not great. Keontae Kennedy has had good games, but you know, obviously coming back from the injury, he struggled some offensively. So it's like it's got to come from somewhere. And, and Jonathan Lawson has shown that he can shoot the ball. That he has the length necessary that you know that Penny Hardaway desires, and that he can be a spark for this team. So it's like, right. is, do more minutes come for him? Like something has to give. Now let's talk about the negative of this, right? Defensively, he's not connected at all yet. Yeah, he's got to learn defensively more IQ because we know that's where it starts and finishes with Penny Hardaway and Correct. where you get playing time. The more you know on the defensive end, the more you go. So that's the issue that you run into, and also. Sometimes when he's out there, he can be a little bit loose with the ball. And that's because he doesn't have enough experience. You right. need to get him experience. But I do agree. You need to find minutes for your – let's call it how it is. Best three-point shooter yeah. on the team right yeah. now, what like was, with, without question. What was the game where – so Alabama game, they only hit one three. What was the game after the Alabama game when he came in and hit, I think, three threes in the first several minutes? What game was that, Kenny? Do you know? Well, I remember, I remember against SLU, even going before that. Right. I remember against SLU – he was the injection they needed offensively to even stick in that game, but they would have lost it by 15 points running away. He hit three threes in a row and got them back in that game. It was A&M, right? Am I tripping or was it A&M? It was the A&M Alabama. game. Yeah, it was the yeah A&M so the A&M game. Ten he points, three right, from three from three. Right, and he came right. in and shot well early. So does it become a thing where if, we, if Penny Hardaway and the staff see offensive struggles early, that we go ahead and, and, and inject Jonathan Lawson into the lineup? Because he came in in ECU for – against ECU for a few minutes, but it was I think it was later in the first half, early in the second half, and didn't get much run, and, and Memphis was already stuck in neutral and stuck in the mud. So is that something that we see? Do we see him injected earlier into the lineup when there are offensive struggles to spread the defense out a little bit more and to unclog the lane because they know that's the primary funnel for DeAndre and Kendrick Davis? I think I think you're dead on. Like They need to inject him somehow and find a way to get him involved for – offensive purposes yeah they need they need that extra offense and I get where Penny is coming from at the given moment with Jonathan about not necessarily trusting on the defensive end but at some point when you get into a game against the game they're about to play against UCF and you need extra shooters you need to space the floor better that's a guy you need to put in and also I think there's an added plus although he's not as connected on the defensive and he's lengthy yeah he can get into passing lanes and make some plays on that end and here's the thing about about the discrepancy between Jonathan on offense and defense Memphis has the talent defensively to make up for a deficiency mm-hmm. correct they have that 
offensively, they do not have right. the firepower to make up for the deficiency. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, the positives that he adds on the offensive end of the floor are more than the possible negatives for him on the defensive end of the floor. And especially against the normal conference opponent. Right. right? That, and I think you have to bring that into consideration. Yeah. In big games, he could be a – he could – and we don't even know this yet because we haven't really seen it on a big scale in a big game. But in big games, I could see where it could be a problem to have defensively Correct. someone if, – if, if you have superstars on the other end yes. of the floor. But against Temple, against all these – why not? Yeah, and and I think with him, a lot of what he needs to get better at will come with actually being on Just the floor, experience. getting game yeah. experience. Not to practice all you want. It's a different intensity. Completely different. So just getting him those minutes, that run, I think would be massive. By the end of the season, you could have him clicking. Yeah. So let's let's discuss that UCF game a, a little bit because for an early conference game, this is a pretty big one for mm-hmm. Memphis. As you mentioned, UCF's kind of been climbing up in the rankings, Kim Palm and Net rankings. Uh, although they don't necessarily have star power on that team, they play really well. Yep. They're I mean they're a well coached team. They play play well as a unit. Uh, they would they take Houston to the wire a couple yep. games ago. Have played very well. And then beat the beat the brakes off of SMU. SMU stinks, but beat the brakes right. off of SMU. So this becomes a pretty pivotal early conference games, and I would argue for both of these teams, right? Like this this right. is kind of this kind of feels like at this point in the season, these are the two teams more than likely battling for the two for the two spot in the conference. I agree, and I think with them too, um, something they didn't do as well in the first half against ECU, they're going to have to do well immediately. They're going to have to cover the three point line in a pretty big way. This is a team that shoots nearly thirty six percent from three. Like yeah. they they can do it. And, I mean, Taylor Hendricks is a, is a bigger guy. He's one of their forwards, but he can put up a three ball. He's going to stretch those, those whether it's Chandler Lawson or DeAndre, DeAndre Williams out to the out to the three-point line. And I hope that doesn't necessarily lead, because he can get to the basket too. I hope that doesn't necessarily lead to foul trouble. Um, but this is pivotal, because you, you get to the 36th net-ranked team in the country at their place. So quad one. You need to go win that game and let everybody forget about that Tulane game. Now, here's here's the question I have been struggling with, and maybe you have a take on this. Winning it, great. Like, awesome. If you lose this game, what does it do? Like, is that it's not a bad loss. You can't look at it and say no. it's a bad loss. But it certainly hurts you, I think, long term. I think it does, but I think it's a way bigger – catapult than it is a step back okay versus like you know what i'm saying like a it's win on the versus road a loss. yes a win versus a loss like a win is a massive catapult for this team because i think you kind of get your confidence back yeah beating a you know a top 40 team as far as the rankings go on the road you don't have any kind of statement conference win yet or any kind of right stake your claim and say like we're here to at least get this two spot and right. you know we want to jockey for the first spot too whatever you got to do that at some point before you get down the stretch in conference play. And this is an opportunity to do it in the fourth conference game, to go down to Orlando, beat a very good UCF team that, like we said, took Houston down to the wire, and say, okay, here we are. We, this could be the arrival game. This could be the confidence game. This could be when everything gets figured out. And on the flip side, if you lose this game, and say it's a, let's just say it's a close game because I don't I don't necessarily see either team running away with it. Uh, these are two teams that generally generally play very close with one another. If you lose this game, 
then we're probably talking about it the same way we're talking about the two-lane game, right? Yeah, but that, that that's not good, though. I'm not saying it's good. Not, like, that's that's what I've struggled with. Is like, And I think you sort of answered it by saying it helps you more if you win than it hurts you if you lose. Right. I don't know if I necessarily see it that way because I want to see what UCF does in conference. If they take some weird losses here and there and you lose this game, it could potentially look worse on you at the end of the year because I don't necessarily see – and you guys can correct me if you think I'm wrong on this. I don't see UCF being a climbing much higher in the net than 36 where they're at now, right? No, I don't that's either. that's where I'm at. I think they are a you're buying high right now. Completely agree. That so that's why I have some struggles with this game and what it would mean long term with the resume. Cuz and I don't think there's any right answer. I just think it's a tough weird spot in the schedule where you're catching them where 36 about as high as they're going to get in the net. Mm-hmm. And I don't know I don't know what they will be, you know, once we get into February, where will they be in the net? What yeah. losses will they have taken by then? If they take none, great. But I would imagine there's something in there in that conference schedule that may trip them up. You, you know, for this for this tournament resume, and, and I feel like for a lot of the season we've been talking about Memphis as, as a pretty good shot to go to the NCAA tournament, they've got to start stacking something. They do. They've got to start stacking something. Because the last thing you want to do is look back at the end of the year and you're looking you're looking on the outside in and you're fourth in the conference. Because yep. this is more than likely, what, a, a two or three bid league? Two and a half bid league right now. <laughs> yeah. <right? Like laughs> so, so the last thing you want to do is squander these opportunities for big wins. Yes. Because you, you – You have one quad one You have right one. Now. That's it. And you, need, you just need to add them no matter where they're coming right. from. Doesn't, so. Yeah, it doesn't matter at one point in the season. It doesn't matter how UCF finishes, whatever. You can make all those arguments. And and must win game is not the title for this game, but necessary win is a no. There's a lot of things that could happen by the time we get to the end of the season, Absolutely. and there's a lot of teams that could move forward in the ACC and all these other big conferences. What's the record that gets the Tigers into the tournament by the time we get to the the AAC tournament? Is it 13 and five in conference? Is that too much? 14 and four, I think, certainly gets you in. Yeah. 13 and five. You're Maybe probably, a little worried, but you're probably close. A bubble team, nine seed, yeah. eight seed. I would say you're probably close at that point. Yeah, and it's very doable. Yeah, no, but you, 100%. But you can't have bad losses stacked. I up. call these landmine games too. Like yeah. when you're playing Temple, even if it's on the road, that's a landmine because so, they're a, they're a capable team, right? But the ECU game was a landmine game. Beating them gives you yet yeah, true. Beating them gives you nothing. Losing takes everything. Takes everything from you. Yeah. And that's just what you run into in the AAC, which I I think part of me should – part of when you're talking to fans and people that, that watch the Tigers, part of you should be glad that UCF's put them in the, themselves in this position. But I think this is the high for them this year. Oh, I agree. I don't think I don't think they're going to be a top-20 team in the net or in any rankings no, by right. any means. I think they're sealing out right now. <laughs> but could they keep the foot on the gas for the rest of the way? Absolutely, because they've been cohesive so far. And that's the scary part is they're the more cohesive of these yeah. two teams right now. Yep. Yeah. And I think that Houston game had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Because when you they go – They believe in themselves. Exactly. Right. So when you go up against the big dog and you prove to yourself and, you know, the coaching staff proves to the team or whatever that you belong, then it's kind of a shoe-in from there. Like you kind of you yeah. kind of feel that from then on out. And Memphis just doesn't have that recently. Yeah. You know, we thought, we thought that was the Auburn game. We thought that was the Alabama game, even in a loss. And then we get to conference play and, and we see that well, it's, it's wins. <laughs> Which went further south than it has. I, I bet there's, and this is just sort of a me spitballing here when it comes to just sort of mindset. That out of conference schedule, you had five SEC games. Yeah, you're hyped up. You're ready to roll. 
And then you get into conference, and you're like, oh, East Carolina, UCF, UCF Tulane, or US, USF, South Florida. Yeah, like, like, you start to like get bored. I don't think they should be bored though. I don't no. think going against UCF should be a massive, yeah. massive thought process. We got to go in yeah. and kill this team. And, and honestly, I feel like I feel like they get it now. I, I feel like they understand that they really almost screwed up losing to ECU right. at home in the third conference game of the year. The good news is. I think grand scheme of where they're sitting right now. The lost two lane stinks. Metrics aren't bad. Fifty no. ninth in the net is you. It's a tournament team. Um, generally speaking, in the net can be weird. Thirty sixth in Ken Palm. Yeah. Like they, the metrics still say that this, this is team a good is comfortably team. in the tournament. But again, you have to take care of business, and it's just tough because. You have to bring your own intensity on the road in conference play, and you can't get tripped up. You yep. just can't. You can't afford it. Yep, and we shall see. I think it's what, back-to-back road games and then back at home next Thursday, so a week and a half. Is that is that right, Kenny? Yeah, that's right. Two We've got games. seven home games left and eight road games. Yeah, yeah so, yep. so back-to-back on the road and then and then back at home. It's I Wichita think it's State. Like, was it January 19th? I think is when they're back yeah, at Thursday home. Yeah, Thursday the 19th. Thursday yep. the 19th, yeah. So they got a minute till they're back at home, so – uh, the conversation should be should be interesting when they come back home. Yeah. Uh, but let's transition to a little bit of Memphis football. Where you, where you want to start? Let's let's start with the transfer portal because I missed all that. I know you guys probably discussed that. We did in a massive way. Caden Priestcorn, Javon Ivory, Cameron uh, Jackson, Cameron Jackson. And it, as of today, uh, Caden Priestcorn is committed to Ole Miss. And here, here's what all I, I have to say. We have talked about Holy on several crap. other You occasions. see this national championship What's, what's a – 31 to yeah, 7. Yeah, let's do an update real quick. Yeah. It is Monday night, national championship game. Georgia's winning 31 to 7. Yeah, not With surprising. one minute and 19 seconds left in the second quarter. My gosh. That's surprising. Stetson Sorry, Bennett for the high I, know, I hadn't looked over Back to your reg- regular schedule yeah, program. Kenny's got it pulled up on the computer over it. there, and it's kind of – my view is yeah. kind of – Skewed. So yeah, I, I see it. I've been, I've, been, I've been peeking in. I have a great angle. I know you've been peeking it, but um, I, that caught my first look at 31 to 7. We've had several discussions on this pod about there wasn't the big outgoing of transfer portal guys, um, and, and there hasn't been the mass exodus. I sit here today, and I still don't believe that's the case. I think that the exodus that we saw from the playmakers, and I'm not even going to sit here and act – as if losing Caden Priestcorn, Javon Ivory, and Cameron Jackson is not a big deal, and Cameron Wright is not a big deal. It's a massive deal. That's number. You're going to lose Gabe Rogers too, so you're going to lose number two receiver, number three receiver, number four receiver. That's huge. That's Starting it's going to be so hard to replace those guys. Right. But I'm I'm still sitting here saying this had nothing to do with what's going on in the program itself. It's not that they didn't believe in Ryan Silverfield. Kane Priestcorn has a kid, right? Cameron Jackson got an offer from Florida He wanted that he didn't want to review, uh, refuse. This is why the NIL collectives, this is why trying to get involved and play the game is so huge because you'll lose guys that have a lot of talent for no other reason besides that they're the highest, they, they, they go to the highest bidder. They go to the best place for them where there's more money. This is why Bluff City NIL is is super important and why these things need to grow because you can't keep losing out to bigger schools because of a lack of resources and a lack of money. And that's always been the case, but in the day of one-time transfer, freedom of movement, it's just tougher. It's way tougher to keep your guys on campus. And I I it's not that the, again, it's not that they don't believe in what's being sold from the program. 
It's that they had better offers on the table that they had to go take advantage of for their own self. And I completely understand that. I'm happy that they're able to do that. But this is why it becomes so important to try to get the money in there. Try to get the resources for these guys. Absolutely. Because you don't want to be... It's tough. You don't want to be in a scenario every every year where you're losing your best player on both sides of the ball. And that's a reality for a group of five guys now. Yep. You heard Jeff Trailer from UTSA talk about it. Yep. I have, you know, Alabama... Well, he didn't name names, but you got Alabama and Georgia and all these guys reaching out to your starting running back who ran for 1,500 yards last year. He's going. Yeah. I have news for you. He's gone. Yeah. And... It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing. And that's what it used to be in the past. If you had transfer portal guys, it's that you were screwing up behind the scenes and they hated you. That wasn't the case with any of the guys that hopped in the portal. It's just a case of, hey, I have better opportunity. Yep. And that's that's the world we live in now. But on the flip side of that, Memphis has most certainly not sat on their hands and let these these players leave in uh, deter what they're doing in the transfer portal because they have – Ryan Silverfin and the staff have constantly been grabbing players out of the portal and yep. uh, definitely can't knock that. Uh, the same day they lose Cameron Jackson, they go out and get a Darius Jones from Texas A&M. Not quite as big as Cameron Jackson because you don't find many 6'6", 340 guys just walking around. But, hey. but 6'4", 300, <laughs> defensive tackle. With Helpful the, to add with, with Derek Hunter and right, all these guys that right, they're bringing in. With an SEC pedigree, uh, they go out and get Jalen Joyner. Uh, or from, Johnson. Jalen Johnson? Joyner, I believe. Kenny, can you? From Ohio State? No, no, no. Jalen Joyner. Okay. Jalen was uh, ahead of you. A- FAU. FAU. FAU, okay. Jalen yeah. Joyner. Yeah, which was a good yes. one. Uh, had a productive career. Wasn't as productive this year due to injury, but I think you know he could be a good one for him at defensive end. Adds another necessary side. I think he's like 6'2", 265. Huge. Yeah, big. And that's a good thing because it lends itself to a four-down front more consistently. Absolutely. Because they, the, they didn't have the horses this year to run that. Didn't have the size. Didn't have the size or, you know, or the rotation. And they still ran it. They still ran right. the four-down front consistently, but they didn't have enough depth. The juice. The juice wasn't there yeah. later in games. And I think that obviously has been realized, and they are very quickly attacking that because they, they need the guys and, and need the bodies up front to do and so. And we talked about it. You said, what, six, six, four, six. What'd you say his measurables were? Jalen Joyner. Joyner. Uh, six like six two two sixty five. Six two two sixty five as a five technique. They're fi- outside of the tackle as a D end. Like they're finally, and and they have done this in the past. But we talked about identity. Remember that? I think yep. it was like episode f- four. Yeah. We talked about identity and and seeing what you wanted in the recruiting trail and going and getting guys that fit a role. That's the type of guy that fits a role. He's a five-tech. Derek Hunter's a three-technique, right? A Darius Jones could be a, a nose or a three-technique. Right. They're finding guys that finally fit that four-man front that they want to run consistently. Yeah, this defensive line is going to look nothing like it did last year. Yeah. Because really the only thing you had in terms of size on the defensive line last year, and I'm not talking about outside linebackers. Just Cam. Rush ends is Cam. As far as like, – And Cormonte to a certain extent. Right. But as far as your, especially your one and three tech, let, let's mm-hmm. focus on that. We we know we've talked about big hosses that can eat up two gaps. Yeah, and, absolutely. Well, three technique not necessarily taking up two gaps, but guys that can eat up run blocks and eat go up make space. Plays yeah, in the run game, clog it up so linebackers can come in and clean it up. I mean, that's that's what mm-hmm. one tech's primarily, you know, their primary yeah. job is. Um, but looking at what they're doing on the defensive line, I, I love it because you're you're freeing up guys like Cormonte and Jalen Allen when you get a guy like Jalen Joyner, 
golly, we're gonna have a lot of Jalen's on this defense yeah. next year. Um, we haven't even got to the other Jalen yeah, that got out of the transfer exactly. portal. Um, but they're they're building size up front, which yep. is something that Memphis has lacked since fill in the blank. <laughs> we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Maybe that three man front they ran with Terry Redden and. Martin Affetti in 2014, maybe? Yeah, that's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. Ricky Hunter? Yeah, so they're they're getting size up there. They're getting bodies up there so they can ro- rotate and stay fresh. We know how important that is in yep. a college game today. With how quick these offensive offenses go, uh, you have to have, what, seven to eight up front? If I mean, you look at fr- Georgia, they run in waves. Right, four-man waves. Four-man, four-man, yeah. and they just switch. Right. You got to have five se- plays or whatever. got to have yeah, seven to eight guys. Be got to have seven eight guys that can play and can play at their best and so they're building up to that it's a great great start and then you know as we've kind of touched on a little bit here with all the Jalen's Jalen Johnson yep. uh, former Ohio State safety I love that gift for them because yeah. you got a guy that you know Matt Barnes obviously knows well from Ohio State tore his ACL before his freshman year so redshirted and then hadn't played what happens at Ohio State if you sit a year, you're going to get recruited over. <laughs> and if you have an ACL injury, you better work like the Dickens to try to get back right. and, and win a job. Right. It's tough to win a job there. That's and, true. And me. when you bring in, you know, top 10 safeties, multiple, usually multiple top 10 mm-hmm. safeties every year, it's easy to get recruited over. Yep. And Jalen Johnson wasn't a top 10 safety. He was three star. Uh, lower ranked, no, not lower ranked, uh, higher ranked three star. Uh, so very good, solid player. And once again, this is not one of those guys that was coming out of high school in 2016 and has never played and is, you know, finally transferring. No, this is a guy that's been in college for two years, missed a full year, uh, redshirted with the ACL, and then this year was the only year he was active in college. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a relationship thing. Man. Oh, absolutely. That, that's the thing with Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes came over here and he brought Cormonte Hamilton immediately. And he's a guy who's already made somewhat of a difference. You want to see more production going into next year, but he'll be more used to the system and more comfortable in his position by next year. And he'll probably yep. have more production. Jalen Johnson is a guy that Matt Barnes recruited. He was his position coach. I like the relationship building in recruiting and if you have a guy that you trust that you know, they're likely to make more plays on Saturday for you. And and I feel like that's what Matt Barnes has done. And he he's taking two guys from Ohio State, right? So Absolutely. He's 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 familiar with these guys, and I and I like to see that part of it. Now we'll see. There's no promises with Jalen Johnson. I you know I haven't really seen him play, and you don't know how that ACL recovered when it did recover. Um, but certainly he's going to be a guy who's hungry and ready to play ball. Yeah, he's going to be in the mix regardless because, as we've talked about, safety is going to be one of the biggest needs with Quindell Johnson leaving. Like mm-hmm. they, ha- they have to have a guy step up back there. Yep. doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter if it's Jalen Johnson. doesn't matter if it's a walk-on. It doesn't matter who it is. They have to have dudes step up at the safety spot. And so actively addressing that, bringing in a guy with a ton of talent and Jalen Johnson to come in and at bare minimum compete from day one is absolutely massive. Yes, yes, and just filling those voids as as they come at you, and they're still gonna. There's still more that they need to get done. Yeah, but this day and age of college football, they can get it done. Mm-hmm. And I think that I mean, if they added no more transfers from here until next season, I think they've done a great job. Yeah, I think they're doing a great job addressing the offensive line, the defensive, defensive line. line. And trying to find players and, in the, in the and, and then and then finding guys to fill cracks, uh, which we've talked about ad nauseum: safety and running back, defensive backs and running yeah. backs. Some guys that can mix in and fill in, and at bare minimum, be competition and. 
push guys around them. What you have to try to do is just get more out of the transfer portal than you lose. And I think you're already starting at a disadvantage with the guys you lost. Right. But again, there's guys that step up, and we'll 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 see by the time we roll around to next year what what that looks like. Who who steps into Caden Prescorn's position? If Derek Hunter can be a productive guy along the defensive line, like sometimes Cam Jackson was, right? right. Javon Ivory, you're gonna have to find another wide receiver. Who's that gonna be? But um, I think given the circumstances, they've done all they could and and done a pretty good job at, at, addressing, at, at addressing the transfer portal in itself. Right. It's just tough when you, yeah, when you lose difficult. all those guys off top. I mean, I mean, all you can do, all you can, all you can control is what you can control. And honestly, it's hard for them to control outgoing transfers if it's if it is productive guys. Yeah. If it's guys that you know are going to smaller schools, then like I view it, I don't know how much they could have done to keep those I don't, three guys. I don't from think going. That, I don't think there's anything. There's that, nothing that they really could have. No. I mean, it it comes down to funding, nil, and a bidding war, and yep. that's sort of how how it goes. Yeah, and that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means that you have to do everything you can in the future to keep up. So speaking of guys, outgoing and ingoing, we also had some coaching changes yep. over the last week or so. Uh, it was announced that Charles Bankins, special teams coordinator, wide receivers coach David Glidden, and uh, offensive line coach Jim Bridge would all be gone. That Memphis parted ways with all three of those guys. And those are the three guys that that we really talked about and said if there's if there's anybody that this staff you know needs to shed, mm-hmm. it's those three guys. And I know you were trying to be very subtle about yeah, it. Yeah, I was but being you, subtle. You were not a big fan of Jim Bridge. It it just comes down to old school football and how it's taught. And maybe if you have a brainchild between two guys that don't necessarily fully agree on how guys should run an offensive line room, it's just not going to be a good offensive mm-hmm. line. And you saw the results, right? With all three of those guys, I think you saw the results. And it, it, you need to make a move if you're Ryan Silver. You can't sit on your hands, right? If you have a position of need that has sort of escaped you, wide receivers aren't getting uh, – Getting separation, the O line isn't paving the way for the run game or keeping the running back or keeping the quarterback upright. If you have special teams where you had a kicker issue two years ago, you fix that. Now the return game's all messed up. At some point, you have to make a decision: Is the leadership good enough? And Ryan saw and and addressed those and said, "We need better leadership in these positions." And I thought, I think the guys that they went and got, I'm I'm kind of happy with for the most part obviously the will friend issue was that was a weird odd. deal wasn't it yeah you know i mean very odd you never know people are of course like people maybe on, he said he got the job and, but you know. like people on twitter of course are going to be like oh what the heck happened but you never know what happened behind the scenes there's he ended up there's, in state you know right but i'm just saying who, stay in the sec who knows how that situation went behind the scenes we're not here to try to come up with a theory about how it went but at the end of the day it wasn't will friend yeah. You and I feel the same about this. It, it on the recruiting front, I think getting Will Friend would have been huge. Yes, I mean course. when he was at Tennessee a couple years ago, landed two of the best tackles in the country in Darnell Wright and Wanya Morris, both yep. five stars. But his development of offensive line, both at Tennessee and Auburn, has been suspect at best. Because you look, wait one second, you look at Darnell Wright. I wasn't trying to like be demonstrative there at all, but. Uh, you look at a guy like Darnell Wright, was, I believe, the number one or number two tackle in the country uh, coming out of Huntington, Huntington Beach, Virginia. He did nothing under Will Friend. Nothing. nothing. 
he is more than likely going to be a first-round pick now. I know. Yep. He had all the tools the entire time, but never developed under Will Friend. Same thing with Wanya Morris. I don't know what he's doing at Oklahoma, but he never developed at at Tennessee under Will Friend. And Auburn's offensive line was a mess this year. Now, Georgia, I think he did a fine job at Georgia when he was at Georgia for yeah. that. It was sort of an extended period of time, somewhere 2011, somewhere. Right. I forget exactly when he ended at Georgia. He did an okay job, but look at them since then and how they recruit and what they've done in development. Right. It's crazy. You look at uh, Tennessee, you've already brought that up. I mean, after he left, all those guys started getting all better. Guys. That Jerome Carvin, Darnell Wright, all those guys. They're going to be draft picks now. And then at Auburn – were you impressed by they had Tank Bigsby in that backfield last year, and what did they have to say for it? He couldn't find any running room. There was nothing there. No. So I liked it from a name standpoint. Absolutely. It was like, okay, this is a sp- as splashy as an O-line coach hire as you could have made. <laughs> Absolutely. But in the end of the day, was he developing? And I sort of saw, because they ended up with Jeff Myers from Iowa State, I saw the opposite response to Jeff Myers. Right. Of like, oh, well, he's, he doesn't have as much experience. He's not really – that type of coach, Iowa State stunk last year in the run game. I don't know about you, but when have you known Iowa State football outside of the last five years? Never. When they're winning bowl games under Matt Campbell, Brees Hall, David Montgomery, multiple offensive linemen that were all Big 12 guys, and I know that's a little shameless for me to say that, Yeah, but this is the best their offense has looked, and Jeff Myers was the O-line coach for five years. So With with Jeff Myers as the offensive line coach, they finished with the first, third, and fourth offenses. And three, then, three top five offenses in school history. And then they had to rebuild last year. I right. mean, Hayden Deckers is playing quarterback, right. and you'd lost Brees Brock, Hall. Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. <laughs> yeah, like it's tough to self-rebuild. You can't just look at one year after all of their good – guys after all of their production left and say oh well he stinks as an o-line coach look at right. look at the build-up to it right and and i think honestly i think the biggest reason people have been kind of weird about it is because you have seen and i haven't looked into this enough so i don't know but i've, I've just seen kind of people tweeting about and talking about like he was kind of let go by matt campbell um so I, once again, okay. I didn't like dig deep into right. this. I, I mean, just, there, I just saw the, that the whole talk coaching staff. Twitter. They were five and seven this year. He's, right, he's cleaning house. Yeah, it's just he's got to go protect himself. But I will say, I, I like the Jeff Myers hire more than I would like the Will Friend hire. That that's my honest opinion. Interesting. I I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to take that step, but I I don't I like the hire, and I also like between him and Larry Smith, who got hired as a wide receiver coach. Yeah. I like young, hungry. Coaches. And also the thing you run into with guys like Will Friend, and I I'm not saying if he would have got hired by Memphis, he would have stunk. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes when you have guys that have been around Auburn, they've been around Georgia, that have been around Tennessee, by the time they get around uh, and they've been let go again by that third SEC school, is the hunger still there by the time they get to a place like Memphis? Right. That's the question you have to ask yourself. I like the young up and coming guys who still have the hunger that are, you know not even 10 years into coaching, right? They, they still, they, I think both these guys have good enough resumes, yeah. especially, um, but guys that are young can relate to their players. Uh, that helps in recruiting that helps on the field. So, yeah. And, and especially with a guy like Jeff Myers and, and this is, we're like fully speculating at this point, cause we don't know what Will Fran would have done. We don't know what Jeff Myers is going to do, whatever, but in my mind, this is kind of my thoughts and opinion on it. A guy like Jeff Myers, who had so much success at Iowa State, 
And if what people were saying is true and he was let go by Matt Campbell, don't you think he's going to be pretty fired up? <laughs> that's what I, that's the point. I don't mean, you think he's going to be pretty fired up and, and, and want to go out there and show that, you know, like, okay, whatever. Like, maybe I'm still I had coaching a bad this year. level. Yeah, I can right? still do this. Yeah. I, I like I, again when it comes to young coaches and in that situation I think that's another sort of element to this I like I like the hunger I Me like too. that so and then third higher special teams coordinator Chris White Chris White from Buffalo I okay yeah <laughs> yeah like a lot like <laughs> compared to the other two guys like what four times more experience yeah been with the Lions the uh, who else in the NFL am I. The Vikings, the Vikings, yeah, UConn, Syracuse, Iowa. When they were, last time they were in the Rose Bowl, I mean, he's been around the block. Yeah, he's coached this coach special teams for a long time. Right, and this seems like a guy that Silverfield trusts. Yeah, and I would say so. I think that's back to your earlier point. That's necessary. You don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen with too many different ideas on how things should be done. And why They're, not for special teams for like a coordinator position? Get it. Special teams guys stick around a long time if they're right. good. Experience is a necessity. If they're bad, they're out pretty quickly. Right. Experience is almost a necessity as a special team. That, that's sort of what I'm getting at. And and for him to just take – he knows how to take over that room and run that room. And it's like a – it's almost a relief. Yeah. Take a little – take that – take an extra bag yeah, off, like of, you uh, got this. off of Ryan's back. Yeah, absolutely. That's your room. You handle that. He tried to do that with uh, Bankins, Bankins, but it just – there was too many deficiencies. Yeah, and and I don't think this is a limbo or a Svoboda hire Mm-mm. because those are two of the best special teams coaches. And I league. think James Shebest was a good one. Right. Joe Lorig or after him. But, but I think I think this is a, a good run. Very solid hire in Chris White. I think mm-hmm. he I think he has the ability to come shore up the special teams because Memphis has been known for special teams over the last several years, and they haven't been great the last two seasons. Yep. And Buffalo's special teams last year, I believe, ranked a little bit higher than Memphis's. So, I mean, it's a wait-and-see kind of thing, but it feels like a very comfortable comfortable hire in a good way for Silverfield. And I think Memphis has the potential now with him at the helm of the special teams to get back to that. But like I said, I mean, Memphis got so spoiled with Pete Limbo. Yep. That, I mean, he's the best special teams yeah. coach in the country. Yep. I don't even think there's an argument to that. Like, I think he had the number one special teams at Memphis. He was a head coach at Ball State off being a special teams coordinator. Right. Right. Like he's awesome special teams at Memphis, and he is killing it at South Carolina yeah. right now. They finished number one in pretty much almost every special team metric because Pete Limbo is that dude. And again, James Shebes, Joe Lorig after that. Like there was a good run there. Right. Bankin sort of made the run. Was the outlier. S- slow down a little bit, but. Hopefully Chris White can get it going, but they do need to find a kicker, right? Yeah, <laughs> gotta find yeah. a kicker. No, it's a necessity. They gotta yeah. they gotta add some pieces there and see what they got there. But uh, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the hires right now. I obviously I, that can always change, but on paper, I really like the three hires. I, I think I think all of them make sense, and I know people are still gonna stick to that what happened with Will Friend narrative. But in the end of the day. I like Jeff Myers and what he brings Agreed. to the table, and I think all these guys make sense in the time being for for Ryan Silverfield in this in this team. Absolutely agree, um, Kenny. Is there anything we're missing, or I don't think so. You don't have um, anything else. Hmm. No, man. I think y'all have covered everything. I mean, this you know, there's a lot going on on both sides. Of, you know, basketball and football. Yeah, it's um, weird this time of year to have anything going on with football, but like the last three or four years, the no, we did portal- miss. 
Do it. No, we did miss. What did we miss? The Cowboys going to win a game in the playoffs. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it have to ah! be? Well, listen, he already, before you got here, he already told me we're going to have to record on Tuesday night instead of Monday night because the we Cowboys play are Monday playing night. on Monday night. Oh, okay. All right. I can deal with that. Come on. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, I, listen, I've been driving the bus for the Cowboys. What the hell was that? And don't no. even say, well, they didn't care. They had the starters I'm out not there. Say, I'm not saying anything. Okay. It was terrible. But do they win? Are they going to beat I don't, TB? I don't, I don't think so. TB on the road? Uh, Tampa Bay's been rolling towards the back half of the year. Not yeah. rolling, but they, they had the one big spike right. game right. two weeks ago. And they they seem much more cohesive over the last couple of weeks, which is scary. So I believe Dallas's season is going to end exactly how it began, on a warm night in Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium. <laughs> Damn. That was beautiful, spoken man. Like a, spoken like a true Cowboy fan, I'll tell you well, what. True. Yeah. As true as it gets, we, Christian we're Christian is notorious lose. for underselling the Cowboys because he doesn't want to get his hopes up. No, no. Which I don't, makes sense. Exa- There's no the, point. Exactly. That's There's the no point, point I'm making. In that is a seasoned up. Cowboys he is fan a right seasoned, there. He is a seasoned Cowboys fan. He's been around the block a couple times. I do want to update. It's halftime. Why does that say 24-7? Oh, 38-7. Uh, it's 38-7. to seven. Oh, Max well, Duck Max Duggan threw another well, interception. Well, we picked the best national championship. This is like the first national championship I've never like watched. We picked the yeah, one not to watch. Yeah. <laughs> we well, hadn't there been like a fifteen point differential in all the college football playoff national championships? Like it's 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 never been that close. Bama and Clemson. Well, Bama and Clemson was, but I'm saying like generally speaking, outside of that, has there been like a super close? Georgia and Bama. Well, that he just, was he that, just yeah, shot your argument in a foot. Well, Tua was that the national? Nash- that, that was the natty. Okay, but I'm saying like, isn't there? There, I'm there sure is a stat out there. It's a 15 point differential. In yeah, there's been more blowouts than close playoff. games. What was what was last year? Who did Georgia beat? Why am I blanking? What do you mean? Who was the national championship last year? Um, uh, but at Bama. <laughs> am I losing my mind? Man, we are. The what is going on? Notch college you're making football me, analyst. You're making me. You're literally making me question things. I think it was Bama, but I don't know. I don't remember, and I don't know. Kenny, how. help, man! We need. We're throwing I'm, you. Need a lifeline. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Talk, I'm over here typing. I'm sitting here talking about Bama. Clemson I need a lifeline. Years ago, and Bama, Georgia. What's from years going ago. on? I think it was. I think it was Georgia. Bama. Yeah, because they won the rematch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was 33-18, yeah. Georgia versus Bama. I'm good. You made me question everything. Yeah, uh, Kyle, yeah. The the uh, the, the championship game hasn't been close. A, a lot of a lot recently. Too. I mean, LSU no. LSU beat the brakes off of Clemson say, a couple years ago. Say so, beat the dog. I thought you were about to no. go in right there. Okay. No. All right. Hey, some big news dropped today. Uh, D'Angelo Williams is uh, nominated oh. for College Football Hall of Fame. Isn't he going Fame. in? Is he nominated? Is he going in? I think, I think he, he's going think in. He he's been in. nominated. He's yeah. been nominated. I think he was in. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure D'Angelo is in. Look at us no. being great college football analysts. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, that's crazy. That's great stuff. Um, but here's here's what I'll say too. If you talk about the University of Memphis in football, he's the easy, easy best player, right? He's the goat in history. Like he's the goat of Memphis football, right? I mean, maybe, maybe a lot of people, older folks, may have different answers, but. I mean, D'Angelo Williams is that guy. Man, I saw D'Angelo Williams his senior year of high school. I went to college in Arkansas. This is one of Kenny's favorite stories ever. And, it, I mean, it's just, you don't, it, there, how often do you get to see just supremely elite players before everybody knows that they're supremely it's elite? Rare. Right? And so, 
you know, I went to school in Arkansas and obviously he played at Wynn High School, um, was in the uh, state championship game his senior year. And he, they were playing their final game in, what's the, the stadium in Little Rock? Um, War Memorial. War Memorial Stadium. So a couple of buddies and I, we were like, I know he was, I think he had committed to Memphis or he was, I think he'd already committed. So we knew he was coming to Memphis. And so Kenny, I was like. Kenny hooped at Wachita Baptist. Yep. And so I was like, you know, we, we got to get these guys. Um, I, or I want to get I want to get some guys together. Let's go watch him play. And um, we saw two games. We saw the semifinal game and then the championship game. And I think he ran for, in that state playoff run, ran for 2,000 yards in that state playoff run. It got to the <laughs> point in that state in the state championship game. So he accounted for like every yard they had. Well, we, we started making bets on how many plays would it take for D'Angelo to get to the end zone. The, end, the score ended up being something like 77 to like 70. It was like the two teams that were playing, one of them was a, a pass-heavy team. They threw the ball. They had one guy who I think ended up playing for some low-level Division One team receiver who had like 400 yards uh, receiving in that game. And D'Angelo, I think, ran for like 330 yards He's, in the championship game. And at Memphis, he was so ridiculous. And he's so good. And it, it, I, I always thought in the NFL he was very, very slept on for years. Very and you underrated. saw that at the end, too. I mean, he was great with the Panthers, but even at the end there with, with the, the Steelers, Steelers, he was yeah. awesome. But he, with the Panthers, he, could catch, he was yeah. But he could—I mean, he could catch the ball out of the backfield, smash he, and dash. Him and Jonathan Stewart, super. But no question. But he was super uh, versatile. Yeah, as a running back. Yeah, I think he was a little underrated in the NFL. I, I really do too. Because he, he was, really was—he was a monster. I think he—I think did he had some injury problems where he would miss like four or yeah. five games a year. Yeah, I think that kind of well, deflated that's sort of his running back. Right, that's the position. But he was a—he's a, sm- a smaller built back anyway. Whatever. But he made it a long time, man. Oh yeah, he had a. He had a uh, long plenty of career. longevity, yeah, and had a lot of good years. So, congrats, shouts, congrats, shouts, D'Angelo! Shouts to D'Angelo Williams. Um, that feels kind of like it, though. I yeah, don't, I don't think it. there's yeah, been anything else. It. I think that's it, Kenny. <laughs> We're good. How many times you gonna ask Kenny? We're good. Kenny's. Ugly. I think we got it. Kenny's the producer. He's supposed to have this stuff queued up. Like I'm oh, ready. Guys, hey, I'm queued. Forgot this. He's I'm queued. queued. Forgot that. Yeah, man. No, good job, guys. So <laughs> thank, welcome back. Thank, welcome thank back. You. Thanks, thank bro. you, Kenny. Welcome back to the studio, guys. Yes, it's good great. to have you back. So nice to be back, dude. I hated that you didn't have to do any zooms. I had to do two Zoom podcasts. Well, at least well, you have the good setup. My my Zoom setup is. A webcam, it looks terrible. Yeah, it's not great, but... Well, you see, here's my problem, and we're going to get a little <laughs> deeper here. Here's my problem with the Zoom stuff, and this is this is going to come off pretty egotistical, but I look super goofy on the Zoom camera. <laughs> I have no comment on that, Kenny, do you? Hold on. Do you know what I don't I'm know saying? if I have a comment. No, I don't know what you're talking about. That's crazy. So, I, okay, I, so I, here's I, the thing. Here's the thing. So... Gabe, I would think you would know this, but I guess you don't do much Zoom stuff. When my head is flipped, <laughs> my hair is the wrong oh, way. God. Oh, man. It doesn't show my fade enough. I got this nice. <laughs> no, it's not the fade. I got this crisp, bald it's fade, and it doesn't fade. even show the right the way. It's like. Doesn't highlight it. It's like when I see myself on Zoom, I'm like, that doesn't even look like me. I look goofy. <laughs> I think that every time, so I hate Zoom. I remember the first time I ever saw it like that, I was on. Uh, I was on Rise and Grind with Jessica Benson, and it like they skyped me in, 
and I'm sitting there looking, and I'm no, like, I look terrible. I'm like, no way they're gonna put me out like. You know, this. I like the studio setup too because we get to show off the foot action. Yeah, that's always nice. What too. are you rocking? Uh, just a couple, just a dunks, some dunks. They're that's right, it. Though. You don't even know what they're called. Or anything? I don't know what they're called. They're they're like the dude. <laughs> this is gonna sound funny, but they're like the recycled yeah pair. Like so they, they they have like the they're fully made out of recycled material. I don't know what they're called though. Yeah, I got the. Air Max. Air Maxes. In the 90s. Good look. Terrascapes. Shout out. Air yeah. Max, I, I, I always go back between 95s and, uh, uh, is it 97s? Uh-huh. Uh, probably my favorite shoe. I like the 90s. The, yeah. These are way, just pro tip, these are way more comfortable than oh, the 97s. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, it's like walking on The 97s are 97s so are uncomfortable, but they look great. They look awesome, but they're so uncomfortable. They are. They are. 95s are pretty comfortable, too. I don't have they got 95s. That, they got a nice little sole on them. Yeah, I don't have 95s. This yeah. is my first pair of 90s, and I'm, I'm a big fan. The one with the air pocket, right? Well, there's air pocket. There's the long air pocket on the 97s. Like, it's the long one at the uh-huh. bottom. Mine doesn't have... Oh, yeah, it does. You're right. The you're real right. long like right and yeah, skinny yeah. one. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Now, the 270s, that's the most comfortable Air Max. Okay. I'm notorious for rocking those. Those are fresh, too. Yeah, I bought back-to-back same pair because I, those shoes are so comfortable. But okay. anyway, we've gotten uh, right. we've gotten sidetracked once again. That's kind of our yeah. shtick. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, glad to be back in yep. studio. We'll be back next week and for the foreseeable future. Thank the Lord. We don't have to worry about Zoom anymore. We don't, I'm not going out of town anytime soon. Don't believe Gabe's going out of town nope. anytime soon. I'm here. Don't think Kenny is either. So we're locked in for the foreseeable future in studio. I'm excited about it. So one thing before we get out of here, we did have a website change. Uh, the name of the website has changed for the media company. is now bluffcitymedia.co. Uh, that's on all of our socials, and we've kind of been putting it out everywhere. So the update is known. And for the NIL collective for Bluff City NIL is now bluffcitynil.com. So a little bit of housekeeping stuff there. Separated the two websites, so it you know is a little bit more cohesive. Isn't that, a, isn't that a paradox? Separating them to make them more cohesive. That's well done. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, just wanted to let you guys know that. Go check out both. Uh, on the media site, obviously, is everything's on there. All the podcasts, all the videos. Uh, Kenny continues to do a killer job on all the videos. Uh, Trey and TJ on Tigers Untapped. I know they have a quite a large fan base, as they should, because they're hilarious and have a great show. So, check out their show. And... Fingers crossed we got some more shows coming soon, so stay locked in for that. Um, and, man, I think that's it. I think we can get out of here yep. on that note, and we'll see you guys back here next week. Thank you for listening to On the Bluff. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a comment wherever you download your podcasts. Head over to www.bluffcitynil.com where you will find comprehensive coverage of Tiger Athletics and how you can become a contributor. We'll see you back here next week.